A lot of people are asking what the government is going to do about all the crime and violence in our country. But the Bible tells us there are two kingdom governments operating. First, we have the kingdom of light. The kingdom of light's administration on earth is the body of Christ. Jesus is commander-in-chief. Believers are his ambassadors. And the Bible is our spiritual constitution. The second government is the kingdom of darkness. Its administration is our secular government, with the president being commander-in-chief, with his chosen administration, with his powers derived by the Constitution of the United States. Now, this is the space in our secular government where secular humanism has free reign. God is not wanted in that space, right? So this is the reason we have separation of church and state because both governments have designated powers and responsibilities. Now, it doesn't mean believers can't work in secular government because we know from the Bible that Joseph and Daniel did. But it does mean that you cannot impose your religious beliefs on the people. With that being said, the Bible tells us secular government was appointed to be a minister of God to avenge the evil that men do. Secular government cannot do anything about the crime and violence except try to establish some form of justice to the victims of that crime and violence with prison time, probation, parole, therapy, and medication. But this is all happening after the crimes have been committed. Now, on the flip side, the Bible is telling us that crime, violence, and all sin comes out of a person's heart. Matters of the heart belong to God. Only the word of God, the sword of his spirit, can perform the circumcision of a person's heart. And that's only if a person surrenders to it because we all have free will. God's kingdom is where you find truth, answers, and solutions that purify the heart and renew the mind so that there can be healing and life transformation. But that is the work of the church. The church has been ordained to be light, which is to provide answers from the word of God, and we are ordained to be salt, which is to take action. We have to bring the solutions of God's kingdom. The people, by and large, because over 70% of us identify as Christians, we are the help we're looking for when it comes to all the issues that we have in our country. We are spirits of love manifest in the flesh. Yet, 
all the crime and violence we are experiencing is coming out of our hearts. So we have a dilemma because we're the help, but we are having a crisis in our country and God is telling us it's coming out of our hearts. And this is all because people are hurting. That's one part of it, right? People are hurting because the other part is just outright rebellion, right? And sometimes it's rebellion due to ignorance and other times it's rebellion because we just don't want, we want to do our own thing. But by and large, people are hurting. We were not created to be afraid. But when we are living up under constant poverty, when we're unsure about our value, our purpose, or our futures, that produces fear. And when people are afraid, what happens? We either run, we fight, or sometimes we just shut down and we're paralyzed. We've had our hearts stolen. It was stolen through religious, political, and commercial propaganda, right? We have been told we are nothing but a consumer. We only have power in a vote that can be tampered with, stolen, or denied. That we only have value and power as a member in a church or religion. We're always given our power away to someone or some other entity, but this is not what our creator teaches us in his word. The enemy has stolen information. When America was establishing our public school system, right? The belief was that education would be the great equalizer. It would be the remedy for poverty and inequality. And that's true. But it's not just higher secular education. It's the higher spiritual education of who we are in Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters in the Black community were constantly talking about, you know, looking for reparations for the slavery we suffered for hundreds of years. And we're entitled to that. But the truth is true, abundant reparations are in Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus was slain to receive all power, all riches, all wisdom, all blessing, all strength, glory, and honor. And then God says he made us a joint heir with him and gave us a portion of that inheritance. Then God says we're heirs of God. And as children of God, we have access to everything because God says the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the earth is mine, and the fullness of thereof. So we have some stuff. And this is what the enemy doesn't want us to know and process and digest. The enemy has tricked us into believing the Bible is outdated and irrelevant. 
we hear people saying that the Bible will brainwash you. It's for weak people. It manipulates you, right? But the same enemy hid books of the Bible that were not included in the canonized version of the Bible that um, that's circulating in a general population. There is so much information out here that for the longest time was only available to certain groups of people and organizations and secret societies, right? And that information, through that information, they gained power and made people want to be part of their group because they had connections, information, access, power that people, all people desire and have an inherent right to. Everybody wants to walk in dominion and authority and prosperity because God wrote that on our hearts. So people wanted to be connected. And so we thought that the only way is to go through these certain avenues and schools of thought, but that's not what God intended. God intended for us all to have the same information. And now all that information, all the keys and understanding we needed to understand um, to know how our brains and imaginations and thoughts and emotions work all together is starting to come out. And it has to come out now because before Jesus returns, the bride, his bride must be beautified. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. We must be comforted and we must be operating the way that he said that we should. And we have to be fulfilling our Bible mandates. Jesus told us to occupy and that's exactly what we will accomplish because he said every word he spoke will come to pass. So that means that although the body of Christ is not without spot or blemish, in our sayings, in our doings, and in our lifestyle right now. And we may not be um, administering or operating and fulfilling our mandates right now. That time must come. It actually has come. It is now. So we have to restore um, our foundations. But one of the things that I thought about today when I set out to record this episode was the movie Moana. And that's why I call this podcast Moana, because we have been given an imagination, right? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we say those words, but we just don't know all of what it means. But God gave us the ability to create pictures in our minds and emotions so that when we have a picture in our mind and we feel the emotion, the joy, the resolve of those pictures of dominion and authority and just clarity about what it is we're going through while we're here on this earth, it paves the way, right? It parts the water so that we're able to move on dry land the way that we're supposed to. We flow with the ease and grace God intended for us to. And so Moana helps give us a visual picture of where we are and what we need in this time. 
So in the movie, the goddess of life is Tefiti. But she has her heart stolen by a demigod. And then the demigod, the thief, loses the heart, right? So as a result of the goddess's heart being stolen, she becomes this evil goddess of fire and lava. And she starts bringing all this destruction on the earth and the ocean. So the fruit is coming up rotten. The vegetation is rotten. It's no you know, fish in the water. So basically the people are going to starve, you know, because the earth is just not producing. She's mad. And so Moana's grandmother shares the story of how Tefiti's heart must be found and restored. And then Moana realizes the ocean has chosen her for the journey. So the rest of the movie Moana is going through a series of challenges that are beating the fear out of her, but it's also building her strength so that she's ready when she comes face to face with Tefiti. So in the grand finale, Moana and Tefiti spot each other from a distance. So Tefiti can't get to Moana because she's all fire and lava. So she can't cross this ocean, right, without destroying herself. But there's an ocean of water between them, so she can't get across. But now Moana is no longer afraid of Tefiti, right? So Moana is standing on her island or shore, right? And she says to the ocean, let Tefiti come to me, right? And so the waters part. So Tefiti now, she's off on her island and she's looking across the distance and she can see Moana standing on the shore. And then these waters part. So Tefiti screams and she rages and then she proceeds to haul tail towards Moana on the dry land of the ocean floor. And Moana doesn't wait for her. She begins to start walking towards Tefiti. But the whole time Moana is walking towards Tefiti, she's singing a song. And I, I posted the whole scene on our Facebook page. Um, I'll put the link in, in the description. But Moana is singing this song and she's saying that Tefiti needs to remember who she is. So Tefiti and Moana come face to face. I mean, nose to nose. And Moana is still singing this song. And she says, remember who you truly are. And she puts Tefiti's heart back in her chest. And immediately, Tefiti begins to bloom right? Her rage goes away and she begins to bless the ocean and the earth again. All I can say is rent the movie, buy the movie. It's worth it because we need to start putting a visual picture with the spiritual truths of God's word so that we can have an anchor visually in our mind to occupy with the dominion and authority Jesus redeemed for us when he laid down his life. 
The Bible says Jesus redeemed us out of the hand of the enemy so we could serve God without fear. But the enemy has stolen our hearts of love and courage through religious and political propaganda. The enemy has stolen our identity. And the earth is raging. The Bible tells us that the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Right? So he's stolen our identity. We see a huge identity crisis in our country and around the world today. And the enemy is behind it. The enemy has stolen the truth about our spiritual ancestry and heritage or inheritance. But at the same time, he has the world preoccupied with searching their physical ancestry. At the same time. So he tells us the Bible is outdated and irrelevant. It's, a, it's going to brainwash you and manipulate people. It... um. And uh, it's for weak people. But he stole scrolls and books of the Bible. And dole that information out to, you know, certain people and organizations so that they can have power, so that they can manipulate people. Then he has us focusing on physical ancestry while trying to make sure that we don't remember our spiritual ancestry. That's another thing that we need to remember, right? Satan is not a creator. He is in competition with God's kingdom. He's not a creator. He has to take everything that God established, right? All the laws, all the resources and all the power that God gave us, he has to take all of that and use it against us. And so a good thing to remember is we are in the fight of faith. But if the fight is faith, then there needs to be truth somewhere. We need to be holding on to something in order to stay in the fight. That Thing that we're holding on to, that fight that we're in, is to believe what God has said. So Satan is just a sparring partner, really. He has no real power because the fight of faith that we need to be holding on to is in Colossians 2. It says that Jesus stripped him of all his power over us. But on the flip side, God says that the the Bible says that the whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one. So how do we reconcile that? Either Jesus stripped him of all his power or he didn't because the whole world is lying in his power. We reconcile that by remembering that Satan is a liar and a deceiver. Jesus said that he is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. So He's been stripped, truly, of all his power over us. And Luke, um, Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. The only power Satan has, the power that the world is lying in, is a lie. 
is doctrines of devils, like the scripture says, would be prevalent in the last days. And that's how Adam and Eve dropped the whole world into sin and death. Eve believed a lie and Adam just outright disobeyed because the scripture says he wasn't deceived. Eve was. Through a lie, Satan stole our power of dominion and authority, but Jesus gave it all back to us. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to track our ancestry, you know, our physical heritage, but it's more valuable to us to study our spiritual ancestry through the pages of God's word. And in order to study, just like we do when we make time to go to college, you know, we need to make time to study. And in order to do that, in order to find time or redeem time, right, we must restore economic foundations. Jesus told us that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve God and money. He told us to seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness and all these other things will be added to us. It's all ours anyway. Jesus redeemed it. He got it all back. It's just the enemy stole it. And he doled out information to a few to keep the masses oppressed and tormented so that we use the power that's within us. It can be perverted and and used for evil so that we constantly live up under a curse so that we don't fulfill our purpose. So we stand in judgment and it's unfavorable on God's day and we ultimately lose our eternal reward. The enemy is afraid of us coming to know who we are. He don't want us to remember that we're soldiers of Jesus Christ. He don't want us to remember that after every war, there are spoils of war that the soldiers go and gather up after the battle is fought and won. But there are spoils of war for us as the soldiers of Jesus Christ that are heaped up that we need to go and gather up. Jesus did his part. Now is time for us to do ours. And that's the season that we're in now. So as we restore economic foundations and we get the truth and have our hearts put back in us, we're going to see peace. We're going to see healing. We're going to see restoration. We can't bring, I'm not talking about bringing peace and security to the whole world. We know we can't, we can't do that because the Bible says everyone is not going to accept him because many are going to just um, be lovers of themselves and pleasures rather than lovers of God. The Bible says that many will fall away from the faith, that broad and spacious is the, um, the way of destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life and few are finding it. 
right? So we're not talking about, you know, converting the whole world. There's just work that we do need to make sure is done before Jesus gets back. And just the same way that it was in the old covenant, every time God's people fought battles or wars and he gave them the victory, they had peace from their enemies all around them. And there was prosperity in the camp of God's people. And that's what God has to, that's what has to be fulfilled in our time. We need to be able to walk in peace. Psalm 91 says, we're not supposed to, we don't have to be afraid. No evil or harm shall come near us. Only with our eyes will we see the reward of the unbelieving. So the Bible is saying that we have to be aware of false prophets, right? But we haven't had time to study and rightly divide the word to be able to recognize false prophets. We can't recognize lies and the tricks and the illusions, the deceptions of the enemy. But as we restore foundations, and this is the season for us to do that, now we do have time to study. Now we do. And as we get that time, it's going to be up to us to utilize that time to do the things that we need to do. For the last 12 years, I've heard in my spirit, I don't remember if I've already shared that in an episode I'll look through it, but I'll I'll share it. Um, but for the last 12 years, I've heard this message or this clarion call in my spirit to get your house in order. Right? I didn't know all of what that meant, but at that time I was journaling really frequently and I just wrote it down, get your house in order. And I didn't know all of what God was meaning by that. But I found out. (laughs) I found out real good. And so God had to take me first and process me to show me what it looked like to get your house in order spiritually, mentally, emotionally, emotionally, physically, financially. God does everything in order, right? So he says, before you can take the speck out of your brother's eye, you must remove the rafter from your own. You know, he told Peter, after you've been converted, then then you go strengthen your brother. So that's where I've been for the last 12 years. And it's the same thing that God is saying before Jesus comes, before he brings wrath on this world. He's saying judgment. He's bringing judgment, chastisement to his house first. And he chastens us because we're his children. He chastens us because he loves us. He chastens us so that we take the opportunity to judge ourselves and appropriate the blood and repent so that we're not part of the wrath that he's going to bring on a disobedient world. So I had to go through a process and be processed. And to be ready to serve, you know? Um, So I just want to close with this. Um, The Bible says, 
The blessing of the Lord makes us rich without toil. And we turn around and we say, you know, God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Right? So where is that stuff? We're rightful heirs of everything that belongs to our father. In the natural, if our parents are poor, what do we inherit? Poverty. If our parents are rich, what do we inherit? Prosperity. Well, God wants us to remember that he is our spiritual father. He is the creator of all the stuff. And being spiritually born again, God has made everything belong to us again. And that is what the enemy doesn't want us to know and remember. The enemy wants us to crawl around and grovel and beg the government and corporate America for help and better paying jobs that will never keep up with the cost of living. He just want to keep us in the hamster wheel. God cursed our enemy, but the enemy is still trying to drag us under his belly because he doesn't want to be under our feet. Remember this, Jesus is the head, we are the body, and he said all things are under our feet, period. 